0: Well, good morning again. Good to see everybody today. Good to have those of you joining us online. Man, it's been a great morning, hadn't it? For three of us. Come on now. It's been a great morning. Yeah, been a good morning. Hopefully you come here and you're filled up with good news. Lord knows there's plenty of bad news out there, right? Man, I tell you, maybe you have to be like, I don't know, my age or maybe older. Do you remember when breaking news only happened like two or three times a year? Does does that jog any of y'all's memory? I I mean, and you know, when they broke in, it was usually pretty big. You know, it was the kind of news that changed the rest of the day, if not the rest of the week. I mean, you know, hey, breaking news, the president's been shot. Breaking news, a man just walked on the moon. You know, breaking news, we're at war. It was the kind of thing that, okay, the day's different now. But it, it seems like here lately, I don't know how long ago I noticed this, months, year or something. Have you all noticed that we have breaking news like two or three times an hour now? Have you noticed that? And and, and as I'm watching my, uh, you know, my, my cable news network of choice, and uh, I, I'm kind of observing this and... So I kind of wondered, and I, I went to the cable news that's not not normally of my choice, and they're doing the same thing. Breaking news! Breaking news! Big big alert! And you know, their breaking news isn't that big, not that interesting even. It ain't even seem that you know breaking news. Pelosi thinks Trump's irresponsible. Whoa! I never saw that coming. I mean, I thought for sure these two like were bowling together all the time, you know. Man, this is not big news, is it? Why is that now that it seems like, I wouldn't even call it news. It's like every announcement of the hour, they're trying to link to the end of the world. You know, is that how they keep us glued to the TV? Do they, do they, I guess they don't, I guess we don't know what's happening. I mean, breaking news, man, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss the worst ever, the biggest ever, uh, you know, the most devastating ever. You know, so we stayed locked in waiting to hear about, about the end of the world. I, I, I tell you, sometimes I think the media, uh, you, you know, I think they can't wait till the next riot. I, I think they can't wait for the next storm, the, the next tweet, the next missile. I sound a little pessimistic, don't I? Yeah, I maybe went a little too far with that last, that last line. You know, I, I, the truth is bad news really can kind of be kind of overwhelming and discouraged and to be bombarded with it all the time. And I, I would be one. I feel like, you know, I'm not only kind of struggling here with the bad news, but with a media that I feel like thrives on that bad news. You know, it's, just, it's like they know how to take the news and go just a step beyond so that you and I are the most sad, the most mad, the most concerned, so we stay locked in. So they can sell commercials. Oh, right? Now you might say, well, you know, if you're all that, that bothered by it, just turn it off. I mean, you got the power, right? I mean, you, you got, you know, I did the last service and I was like perfectly on pitch. That time I'm not so, not so sure. But you know, you, 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 I mean, I, I got a remote control. I can turn it off. I don't have to, to listen to that. If I don't trust them, don't trust their agenda. But you know, here, here's the problem. Regardless of what I think about the media or their agenda or their, their way of doing things, I mean, the, the, the reality is, I mean, I don't know if it's the worst ever, but, but we really are living in one of the most hate-filled, divisive times in American history. I mean, we, we really did watch Harvey dump more rain on a U.S. city than, than we've ever seen before, right? I mean, I mean, we really do have a crazy guy shooting missiles in North Korea, I mean, these things are real, regardless of of the media. I mean, those things are really happening. And they're just, you know, we're getting bombarded with that bad news. And yet the amazing thing, as big as those events can be, I bet for a lot of us, the big big event this past week or month or maybe so far this year wasn't even on TV. It, It was just breaking news in your life. And it was bad. It was kind of a game changer. It kind of redirected the course of the week or, or maybe this whole year's been affected by it. May, Maybe hardly anybody even knows that you're carrying that bad news, that you're dealing with it. And man, you start wrapping this all up together. The, the bad news we're being thrown at on TV, the bad news that we're, we're dealing with in our lives. And, and I guess it's all that together that, that makes this verse so incredibly intriguing to me. Psalm 112 verse 7 says, they will not fear bad news. They will not fear bad news. They confidently trust in the Lord to care for them. You know, honestly, I look at that and I think, man, is that is that real? I mean, I know we're going to sing about it. I know we're going to say yes in, in church. But man, when you're out there being bombarded by bad news, it, I mean, is that, is that real? Is such, a, is such a state of mind, is such a life possible that, that I, I've got no fear of the breaking news tonight? I've got no fear of the rumors down at work and the shutdown. I've got no fear of the call from the doctor's office. Is that real? Is that really possible to have such a life? You know, I wonder if this idea, I wonder if that's where David was. I wonder if he was living in that Reality, When in right in the middle of the darkest, deepest valley, he was able to say, man, the Lord's my shepherd. I got everything I need. Or, or was that what Jesus was offering when he said, hey, hey, hey listen... I've got a gift for you guys. I I want your life, I want your experience in this earth to be one filled with peace. A peace of mind and a a peace of heart. And listen, what I'm trying to give you, but the peace I have for you, you're not going to get it anywhere else. There's no place in this universe, there's no place in this world that can give you this kind of peace. But I can, and I will, and I want to. So don't be troubled. Don't, don't, don't be afraid. I just found it, it seems like God's word, it seems like the scripture ho- holds out for you and me, it, me a peace that is a bigger reality th- than any news going on around us. Now, you know, to that I say, how, how is that possible? Now, you know, if you're sitting in church today and, and you're kind of having one of those moments, one of those seasons where bad news isn't really affecting you, you know, then you look at that idea and say, "Yeah, man, God's bigger than bad news." Amen. But I bet if cancer just landed in your body, that's a pretty big question, because cancer's pretty real, isn't it? Can- cancer's pretty big, and and, and so this idea—wait a minute—there's a piece that's that's bigger and more real than my bad news, bigger and more real than cancer. Now, th- th- folks, this idea is not saying that there's no bad news out there. It's not saying that when bad news hits, it doesn't sting. It, it-, it doesn't leave a mark. It's just saying God's bigger. He's, he's more re- he is more real and his peace is more real than that bad news. Now, h- how can that be? You know, one idea comes to my mind, and I'm I'm not really going to go through many ideas because this isn't actually what my my message is about today, but but just this simple idea. No matter how big and how bad news can be, no matter how far-reaching it is, no matter how long it lasts, do you realize it's always temporary? Always. 100% of the time, it is temporary. Whereas what God has for you And what God is himself is eternal. So that right there makes God a little bigger, a little more real than that temporary bad news that I'm dealing with right now. But again, that's not as much my idea today as this idea about about peace. Is there to be this peace found in this life? How, How do we have that? How do we experience that? And I think the clue, I think David gave us a clue. I don't know if that was his intention or not, but I think there's a clue in what we just heard David say a moment ago when he said, my, my, my shepherd, not just uh, there's a God, not I know the God. No, he, he, he's mine. You see, if he's not mine, I can't I can't confidently trust that or who I don't know. I can't use and experience a gift that that I don't possess. So I think this is a pretty big question. How does Jesus become my shepherd? Now, you notice something about that question? It actually implies something kind of negative, doesn't it? I mean, to ask the question, how can Jesus become my shepherd, implies that at present he's not. That, that, that there's a state of being, there's a, there's a place in life where he's not my shepherd, to which we could ask, well, why, why isn't he my shepherd? I'm a pretty good guy all in all, kind of religious every now and then. Why, why, why wouldn't he be my shepherd? Why, why wouldn't that be default mode? That Jesus is my shepherd. Would you believe, I mean there's a reason, there's an answer to that question. Would you believe the reason he's not your shepherd is because you asked him not to be your shepherd? That, I've never done no such thing. Oh, you, do, you, you did it before you even knew what was going on. You've done it so often you don't even recognize how often it comes out of your mouth. How often it comes out of your actions. How often it is the common thread through your thoughts. The most natural thing you and I do is tell Jesus where he can get off. Hey, I don't, I don't need a shepherd. I don't need you telling me what pasture I need to be in. I don't need you telling me what grass I should eat, what grass I I shouldn't eat. No, by the way, I don't need you defining for me my finances, my sexuality, my happiness, my fulfillment, how I deal with, with hurt and disappointment, how I deal with dreams and goals. I don't really need you shaping and defining anything, Lord. We reject Him as our shepherd. And so, yeah, something needs to change. And the problem is I can't fix the problem. I mean, I can work real hard at being good. I, I, I might be a lot better than you. I, I can work real hard at being religious. I might be a lot more religious than you. I might be a lot more religious than everybody in this room. You know what that makes me? A really good religious person who regularly tells Jesus where he can get off. A really good religious person who regularly tells Jesus, I don't, I don't need you to be my shepherd. And, and that's why the scripture says of you and says of me that all, all of us, every person, to your right, to your left, the services before you and the services next week, and everybody on this planet, all. You know any good people? You look at any people, man, that's, that's, that person's salt of the earth. That person's so kind. They always make the place better. All, that person included, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, look, there it is again, everyone, everyone to his own way. Sometimes I wonder if, have we wandered off from Jesus or we just look at him and tell him, get out of the pasture. This is mine. That's my pasture. (laughs) I don't even need to wander off. I just invite him to leave. Oh, and you know, this verse was written, oh gosh, what was it, about 750 or so B.C. Over 800 years later, we land here in the New Testament. Same theme, same idea. 800 years of humanity has passed from one Bible book to the next Bible book, and we're still dealing with the same issue. All, all, every single one has sinned. We are so much not like God in His glory. We are so much not like God. His heaven. See, folks, with e- with every lie, with every thought of, of greed, of, of selfishness, of, of lust, with with every wrong response, with all of the right and good things that we just neglect and never get around to and choose not to do and ignore. With every single one of those things we're saying, I don't need a shepherd. I, 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 don't, I don't need a shepherd. And so, yes, something needs to change. And the most incredible thing is, is that God creates the opportunity for that change. Right in the middle of our rebelling and, and rejecting. I mean, think about how we treat each other, how we treat kids. It's when they're doing good that we sweep into reward, right? You reward good behavior, The Bible says that God demonstrates His love while we were sinners. While we were telling Jesus where he can get off, he came searching for us. Now you know you stop and think about it. Well, isn't that what shepherds do? Don't don't shepherds go find sheep that have wandered off? Yeah, that's that's what they do. But Jesus Jesus did so much more than come and find us he paid for every step of devastation in our wandering and you know if you're like me i look back and i think what wow, devastation i don't i don't see a did i leave a trail of devastation sin always destroys Always, 100% of the time. Big sin, small sin, however you qualify your sin. All sin destroys. All sin is destructive. I don't know about you, I kind of like God just to overlook mine. How about you? Right? You know, I want God to be loving. As a matter of fact, don't we even sometimes judge God if we determine He's not loving enough? How how could a loving God send people to hell? How could a a loving God not be okay with what I've determined my happiness and and fulfillment is? You know, we we define what love is because we're so good at that, right? And then tell God what he should be. But you know, folks, love actually demands justice, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, there's this balance where love will overlook a wrong. But at the end of the day, love does not continue to celebrate wrong. Real genuine love never celebrates and applauds what is destructive. As a matter of fact, real love is justice, and justice demands that be made right, that be paid for. And that's why the Bible teaches of Jesus that he once suffered For sins, the righteous, the one who never did wrong, the one one who never did anything but purely and rightly honor the Father, the Father's word, the Father's will, the Father's way. Jesus was so righteous, yet He came and He died for the unrighteous, those of us that have never done anything but mess up the Father's will and way, that He might bring us to God. Only Jesus can take you To God because only Jesus died for your sin. No other person, no other religion, no other religious figure. This building did not die for you. Your uncle did not die for you. Only Jesus can carry you back to God because only Jesus died for your sins. Okay, well, how how do I get in line for that? I'd like that. How, what's the line where Jesus carries me back to God? What, what's the line where all my, my sins are forgiven? How does that happen? You know, folks, the, the Bible, God wants you to know how that happens. It's amazing how often we, we treat it like a mystery. And, and God in heaven, it's like a code to break. And, you know, you, you got to... Put all these things together to break the code. No, the scripture has made it easy for you to know. Wants you to know. Romans 10.9 says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. We shall be saved. There's no code to break. There's no class to go to. There's no list of things for you to accomplish. For all those who received him. To all who believed in his name. To them he gave the right. To become a child of God. So this idea of belief and confession, that that kind of seems to be a path, doesn't it? To to being saved, to becoming a, a child of God. What's that mean to confess that Jesus is Lord? Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean say these three words, Jesus is Lord. And then poof, magic happens. No, when I, think about what's happening. When I'm saying Jesus is Lord, I'm saying you're God. I'm not. You totally have the authority to touch everything in my life. To touch every part of my day. You totally have the authority to shape my sexuality, my finances, my relationships, my hurts, my victories, my dreams, my fears. You have the authority because you're God and I'm not. You're the shepherd and I'm not. You're good. And I'm not. I'm not the source of goodness. I'm not the great goodness. I can't create that goodness. Oh, in Christ, think of the goodness that's only found. There's no second place. There's no, Jesus is really the best, but you know, you can get it over here too. No, only in the goodness of Christ can I become a child of God. Only in the goodness of Christ is there a possibility of all my sins being forgiven. Eternal life in heaven, a place I don't belong, a place I don't deserve. But in His goodness, He makes that available. That's His goodness that does that. Why wouldn't I confess Him to be God? To believe that He was raised from the dead. So you know saying I believe that Jesus is raised from the dead is a, it is a little more than saying I acknowledge this this historical event back there. When I say I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, I'm saying I'm banking everything in my life on the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I I I believe along with scripture that I'm not okay in and of myself. That I can't create an opportunity for me to rightly stand before God in and of myself. I'm no longer going to depend upon my goodness. I'm going to depend upon his goodness. I'm no longer depending upon my work. I'm depending on his work for me in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I'm not only believing that an event happened back there. I'm banking everything in my life on it. And the Bible says that this, this becomes true of me. His work becomes a work for me. His goodness becomes the goodness applied to me when I call out to him. Romans ten thirteen. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. A lot of y'all have heard me say this a lot. I, I love the word whoever. Whoever you are, wherever you've been, whatever you've done. That's so important because there are people in this room right now who believe that because of who you are, because of where you've been, and because of what you've done, there's no possibility that a God could love you. There's no possibility of somebody like you being forgiven. The Bible says, no, 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 no. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, that includes you, will be saved. So how how, how do I call out to the Lord? You know, it could be as simple as God save me. A lot of times we say a prayer. Sometimes it's even referred to as the, the sinner's prayer. I want to speak about that prayer for a moment. We've had a sinner's prayer for decades in the American church. There's people all across here, there's people all across America. I said the sinner's prayer. The sinner's prayer is not a destination. The goal in life is not to get to the sinner's prayer, and then once I say it, well, now I'm done. Finished. Did it. I got the policy. It's not a destination that once I say, amen, I'm finished. The sinner's prayer is a a door. It's a beginning. It's the first step in a journey. It's not the end of the journey. It's the beginning of the journey. Now, the the sinner's prayer can be pretty profound. That first step can be pretty profound because so much happens in that first step. I made a child of God. I am declared righteous, forgiven of sins. Eternal life is now secure in my life. So that first step is huge, but it is the first step. What I'm calling out to, hey, you're God, I'm now following you everywhere I go, everything I do for the rest of my life. And I won't do that perfectly, but I'll rely on his grace, right? I'll rely on his forgiveness. But that is, that is the commitment. That is what we're calling out to in that prayer. The prayer is not magic. The, the, the words in and of themselves, just saying the prayer, saying these words, there's no magic to it. There's no power in those words if they don't actually represent what is genuine and true in my heart. That I recognize my own need for Christ. And that I can't fix my problem. But I'll tell you something. If you're here today and you're not sure if that's ever happened in your life. You know it hasn't happened and you want it to happen. I go back to Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls on the Lord. That can be you right here, right now. I'd like to lead us in an opportunity to say that prayer. And again, if it's real... If that's what you want in your life, then you let my prayer become your prayer. But I don't want you to hear this as some kind of superstitious, just say these words and, and something happens. Ah, oh, but if it's your heart, then something incredible happens, right? Let me lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer much like I prayed. And if that's your desire, then you just let my words become your words. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I do believe you are the Son of God. I do believe you died and were buried, and more importantly, you rose again. And that is my opportunity to be forgiven. That is my opportunity to have sin and death and hell conquered in my life. That's my opportunity to be your child. Jesus, would you come in my life? And help me to follow you and live for you forever. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, if you just prayed that prayer, then based on, not me, not not what this church says, based on the authority of God's word, Romans 10, 13, whoever, are you a whoever? If you just called on the Lord, it says you are saved. And in a moment, and I'm, not, I'm actually not done with the message, you're thinking, oh my gosh, you're not done. Very close. But I'm not done with the message. I still got to get back to dealing with that bad news thing. But if you just said that prayer, I want to encourage you in a moment... That you would consider, we're going to conclude and when we conclude the service we're going to stand. We're going to have one more song and a time of worship and we'll have pastors down here at the front. And I, and I want to encourage you to take a step of faith and come forward and tell somebody, tell one of these pastors, I just asked Christ into my life. Now a lot of us, I mean first of all it's a big room, a lot of people in here. and I don't want to do that in front of people. I, I think of what I did as kind of private and personal. Are you saying that I need to go down front to be saved? Absolutely not. No, there's, there's nothing like that in Scripture. You have to come tell a pastor to be saved. No, you don't. But I want to tell you something Jesus said, really important to those who said, I want to follow you. He said, don't be ashamed of me. Let's be honest with ourselves. That's hard, isn't it? I, I'm talking to those of us who, who have asked Christ into our lives, who've been following Him for a year, two years, 20 years. It, it's hard. We get squeamish out there, don't we? And, and, and listen, that is going to be our challenge out there to not be ashamed of him, to identify our lives with him. So if I can't identify my life as belonging to Christ in here, the safest place on the planet, if I can't tell people I belong to Christ in here where most everybody's done that and we all kind of celebrate and applaud that, if I can't do it in here, folks, do you realize you have almost 0% chance of faithfully following Jesus out there. That's why I would set up a moment like this to help you and I take that, that first step. And if you just genuinely called out to the Lord, you know, I, I actually believe you're a child of God, you're saved, and it won't matter what you do out there. But if I don't take those steps to keep following, you know what happens? There gets to be some distance between me and my shepherd. And while I'm forgiven, I won't enjoy it. While my, my, my eternal life is secure, I won't enjoy it. And I'll go back to living in fear and, and, and guilt. And I won't enjoy all that God has for me because I'm, I'm acting ashamed of Him. How much can you enjoy a relationship with somebody you don't even want to be seen with? How much can you enjoy a relationship with somebody you don't even want anybody really knowing that you know them? Man, let's do it here in the safest, easiest place. And yeah, it's still a challenge out there. But we start with that easy step. Ultimately, as we saw this morning and and, and in the other services, following into the waters of baptism. You know what the waters of baptism are? That's my second step of following Christ. Jesus said, hey guys, I want you all to follow me. I'm going to make this real easy because a lot of this is going to be really hard. So the first step is just follow me down into this water and give people an outward sign of what's happened to you inwardly. You have died and a new person in Christ has been raised again. That's a pretty easy step to follow. Especially when you consider how hard some of them out there are, right? So I want to encourage you when that time comes, you come down here, tell me this pastor, I just received Christ and I want to follow him in baptism. Maybe you're going to have, maybe say, you know what, I didn't just pray that, but I'm, I'm, I've, I think I've got some questions. You know what, we'd love to be able to talk with you. It takes like three, four, five minutes. I'm not talking about the rest of your afternoon. See if we can answer your questions, pray with you, help you with that. So I want you to right now start asking yourself, God, is that what you want me to do? Do I need to take a step and, and go forward and not, not try to couch these things and this is private and personal because you never said anywhere in Scripture that this was private and personal? Just begin praying. I don't, I don't want you answering my voice or answering the voice of this church. I want you answering and following the voice of God. Now, for the rest of us that have done that, the sermon was supposed to be about a life where we don't fear bad news, right? Okay, get ready. I've got nine points and uh, just want to share that, no. You know, it would seem like, well, gosh, that would seem like a lot of sermon must still be left because it seems pretty complex and, and pretty difficult to live a life where we're not afraid of bad news. It absolutely is not difficult. It's not complex. We just don't do the most simple things. Step number one, be able to call Jesus my shepherd. Step number two, never get outside the shadow of your shepherd. See, it's, 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 it's a commitment. It's not a commitment because that's the rule and you've got to obey it if you want to go to heaven. No, the safest place for me, the life where I never fear bad news, is when I'm so close to Christ, I'm always inside his shadow. Well, how, how do I get there? How do you, how do, you, how do, you do that? Man, folks, it's it's again, it's not a mystery. It's you know, hey, Jesus is involved in the things that he loves, and he's not involved in the things that he hates. You know what he hates? Sin. He hates sin, he hates Satan. But he loves his word, doesn't he? Hey, if Jesus loves his word, I'm gonna get in his word. Boy, Jesus loves when we talk to the Father. He loves prayer, so he's gonna get involved in that. You know what else Jesus loves? Jesus loves his sheep. He, he loves, he loves all of you. So, man, I need to get involved with all of you. Again, I think it's our American way of thinking, but we, we've kind of reduced the Christian life into this very private, personal journey. And, and it's what we do in this kind of solo flight. Nothing like that in Scripture. As a matter of fact, if you just did genuinely call out to the Lord and were saved, what the Scripture teaches is that instantly, not only were you adopted as a child of God, but you became a part of a family. Jesus actually kind of implicates in one place that our spiritual family is every bit as important, if not more so, than our biological family. That's definitely another message. That's a lot in that thought, isn't it? But here's the idea. We do not follow Christ alone. We follow Christ together. We worship together. We suffer. We suffer together. We fall, we fall down sometimes, and, and so then we get up together. We we minister together. We love one another together. We follow Jesus Christ together. So if I want to stay inside the shadow of the Almighty, the shadow of my shepherd, I'm going to be in his word, I'm going to be in prayer, and I'm going to be with his people following him. It really is that straightforward and simple. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I would pray for each person in this room right here, right now, that wherever we are in our journey uh, of of being found by you, uh, of our journey of coming into a relationship with you, I would pray that every one of us would know the next step to take. Oh Lord, for those who just called out to you for the first time in their lives in, the, in these last few moments, I pray for them the courage and, and the faith. I pray for them a clarity of your voice calling them forward to tell one person I ask Jesus into my life and I want to be baptized. Lord, would you guide them in that way? May they know it's your voice right now. Lord, for the rest of us, many of us who, who've had a moment like that in our lives already, we are an adopted child of God. We are a follower of Christ. Lord, I know that every one of us, we can take a step this afternoon, a step this week, maybe, maybe several things we need to do so that we're residing, living in your shadow. God, I want to know the joy and the peace I want to know the joy and peace of never being afraid. And and, and God, I I don't just want to know that for me. I want my kids to be able to see that. I want my grandkids to be able to see that. I want my neighbors, I want the people I work with to see that. I want them to be so intrigued by this peace, they can't help but ask. And I'll have an opportunity to share such good, incredible news. Of God's love for them. Man Lord it's so important we find this. I, I just pray you would guide every one of us. And that we would all. I pray no thought would dominate us more this week. Than am I taking steps to live every moment. In the shadow of my shepherd. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen.